Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers on mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos. Bible reading this morning will be taken from Jonah chapter 1 from verse 17 to chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4. At the end of the reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. Please do well to respond by saying thanks be to God. Jonah 1 verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hauled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swelled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. This is the word of the Lord. And thank you all for coming. Whether you have come in the hall here or you're watching online, we're very pleased to have you. Uh, My name is Femi Oshunui. I'm lead pastor here at City Church. And um, I want to welcome you to, I think, um, a time and a period that is really critical. It's really pivotal in the life of, I would say, us as Nigerians. Um, And so I want to be able to bring God's word to us. Uh, But before we do that, more than ever, we do need to call upon the name of the Lord to visit us. So let us pray. Lord Almighty, we need you right now. We need you. I need you definitely, Lord, to bring this word. Lord, I pray that as we speak, O Lord, that my teaching will fall like rain, but my words will descend like dew. I pray, Lord God, that it will be like showers upon new grass. It will be like abundant rain upon tender plants. The words of my mouth, let the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, to which we all say, Amen. Amen. 2020. You know the funny thing about it? We still have about two and a half months to go. It just doesn't seem to end. I told my wife, do you know the first thing that happened this year that actually, you know, made me feel like, "Uh uh-oh, was when the Americans killed the top Iranian general. That was not 2018. Just say it was this year. And then Kobe Bryant died. I still remember where, exactly where I was. I was with, I was in Moses' car uh, when that happened. And then you think, you start thinking about the coronavirus, and you're like, eh, yeah, this thing may be bad, though. <laughs> and then you now hear lockdown. Has that ever happened? And there's the lockdown, but then there's the effect of the lockdown. Everything starts to change. Work life starts to change. Family life starts to change. Church life starts to change. We all become homeschooling parents, those of us that have children. We learn new things. And then you then have this staggered, you can go out, but there are curfews and things like that. Everything just, as it were, shaking. And then we get to a sense of normalcy. Okay, this is how things will be. All right, I think we can get used to that. And then somebody tweets out, hashtag answers. You know, I've um, spoken with a number of us. I, obviously, as a pastor, I have to do that. And at an individual level, many of us are experiencing, some of us are experiencing very serious illnesses. Some of us are still trying to cope with the effects of debilitating mental illnesses. Some of us are still job hunting. 
or we are in precarious economic conditions. Some of us just are confused as to regards the direction of our lives. Whereas some of us are worrying about the condition of some of our loved ones. Quite sadly, as was prayed for today, two of us here, brother and sister, Lito and Ife, lost their brother. When I describe all of these, the effect of what we feel is a state of individual distress. See, by distress, I mean feelings of extreme anxiety, sorrow, and pain. But what about Nigeria? Nigeria is in a state of national distress. See, we can't ignore the uprising that has gripped our nation in the last couple of days with the various protests against uh, police brutality reflected in hashtag ENTERS, hashtag SARS must end, hashtag end police brutality and what have you. You see, the specific protest on police brutality is only a rallying cry emanating from the multifaceted dysfunctional condition of our collective national psyche. There is a problem. At various levels, we have stress, injustices, atrocities, diabolical activities. They all point to one undeniable reality, which is what? We are in a state of national distress. And it makes us feel helpless. Now, in states of helplessness like this, what are we to do? How are we to react? What are we to say? This is where Jonah helps us. If you are joining us for the first time, we have been looking through the book of Jonah and we still continue to where we are. We are now in verse 17 of chapter 1 to 4 of chapter 2. And this usually is about the most popular part of the book of Jonah. You know why? Because the fish makes its entry. The fish makes his entry. But let me tell you what's going to happen. I am not, I'm not going to spend more time on the fish than the writer of the book of Jonah spends on it. The writer of the book of Jonah is not as fascinated of the fish as, of the fish as we are. In fact, you know what he does? He tells us the fish only appears three times. The fish appears to swallow. The fish houses Jonah, and the fish vomits Jonah. One seventeen, swallow. Two one, he housed him, and then two ten, he vomited him. In other words, he's trying to tell you that the book of Jonah is not about the fish. And even the incident with the fish, he's only trying to give you a context to point you to the main issue he wants you to see. And what is that? That in Jonah's distress, he called upon the name of the Lord. And that is what we must do on behalf of this nation. The situation is so complex, so beyond the capacity of any individual or group of individuals to solve. And so, like Jonah realizing he was requiring divine intervention in our distress, we too must call upon God for help. It's not the only thing we can do. It's not the thing everyone will do. But by God, it is the thing that we must definitely do. When I say we, I mean the people of God. And that's why we have titled this sermon, The Distress Call of a Nation. And we're going to consider it under these three headings, the condition of a nation, the cry of a nation, the Christ for every nation. The condition of a nation, the cry of a nation, and the Christ for every nation. So let us begin. The condition of a nation. If you were to describe the state of Jonah's condition in this passage, what would it be? Well, the writer describes Jonah's condition in a physical, he describes it physically, metaphorically, and psychologically. Physically, in verse 17 of chapter 1, he is in the belly of the fish. Metaphorically, in 2 verse 1, he is in the realm of the dead. But psychologically, also in 2 verse 1, he is in distress. 
You know how it is. Imagine you put a call to a friend of yours around 11.30 p.m. or maybe 12, uh, 12 midnight, and you call him and you say, Ah, what's up? I didn't expect you to pick up. Where are you? He says, I'm in the office. Why are you in the office this late? He says, because my, my firm is bleeding. How are you feeling? I'm under pressure. Notice what just happened. Physically, you realize that he is in the office at a very late time. He describes his condition that way. Metaphorically, he says that the firm is bleeding. Obviously, we know that offices or buildings or organizations don't build. He's describing it to you metaphorically. And then you ask him, how are you doing? And he says, I am under pressure. If we have to think about Nigeria in the same way, we can say this. That Nigeria physically is, or, uh, yeah, physically is a nation living in extreme poverty and under unjust conditions. The vast majority of people. Metaphorically, we are under intense fire. And psychologically, we are in distress. Now, somebody is going to tell me, but that's not all that happens. And I agree with you. Let us beware of the danger of a single narrative. Not everything is bad in Nigeria. For instance, some people just ensured that their generation, the generation after them, the generation after that generation, and at least to the fourth generation will never see poverty. If you have some stake in Paystack. $200 million, just like that. Not everything is bad. But let's not get it twisted. That is for a select few. But the vast majority, they live physically in extreme poverty and under unjust conditions, metaphorically, under intense fire and psychologically in distress. It is bad. Very bad. And if I want to narrow how, uh, if I want to narrow one cause, one thing to look at, it is bad because of SARS. Not only because of SARS, but permit me for, to be able to narrow the scope a little bit today. And when you say SARS, we're like, well, you know, I mean, they should protest, too, like all these young guys. You know, it's, 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 it's youthful exuberance. It's zeal. They don't have work to do. Let alone, we can talk about why they don't have work. Because many of them don't have work because it's not that they can't report for work. They're unemployable. Why are they unemployable? Let us not start talking about the education system in this country. Allow me to narrow the thing just for a minute. But they, don't forget, it is not just unemployed people that are protesting. In fact, a lot of the people that are protesting are employed, are entrepreneurs. They are protesting because as they try to make their way in a very difficult economic terrain, they are being har harassed by SARS and have suffered from police brutality. Perhaps many of us of a certain generation thought that the calls for answers were exaggerated. But now with the abundance of stories of extortion, unlawful imprisonment, shootings, rape, and murders, you know what has been proven? That they have been grossly underreported. The sheer volume of harrowing stories, if you don't know where to find it, very easy, answers.com shows that their terror, not just what's happening here and there in isolated incidences, it carries systemic tendencies. Fine, there may be some false ones there, there may be some embellished ones there, but the sheer frequency again points to the existence of a systemic nature of the true ones. But sometimes, you know, the danger is that when people just tell you, 8,000 people have been murdered, it doesn't mean anything to you because you take people and you turn them into statistics. Sometimes we need to hear the story of one. Let me tell you the story of Kemi Kwadri Belo. She says this, one day back in 2010, SARS picked me up in front of Luth while I was waiting for a cab. Here's the story. 
I just graduated from uni. It was a few days to induction or graduation. I came to Lou to sort out my induction gown. We lived off Ogulano Drive back then. My dad called me that he wanted to come pick me up because he was feeling a certain kind of way about my safety. And I was like, Daddy, Lou to Ogulano is a stone throw. I'm a big girl now. Let me take a cab. See you soon. Love you. As soon as we hung up, my phone battery died. While waiting for the cab in front of Luth, while waiting for a cab in front of Luth, these SARS guys came with their bus. They picked me up along with some other guys and threw me into their bus. They immediately started saying, now Yahoo, girl, now Yahoo boy girlfriend, see her face. She's one of them. I was in shock. Gun pointed at me. I started crying. Sir, I am not a Yahoo boy's girlfriend. I'm a doctor. I just graduated. I came for my gown. I was screaming and crying. They asked for my phone. The battery was dead. They asked me why I put it off. They said I was hiding something. Unfortunately, I had no idea on me, but I had the receipt for the gown, which I showed them. The receipt of the gown I showed them made absolutely no difference. Two of them started using the bottom of their guns to hit me. I was screaming and crying. Some of the other guys in the bus were also being dealt with, but I think it's my screams and cries that irritated them so much that they started beating me. When we got to Ojoelegba, when we got to Ojoelegba, they threw me out of the fast-moving bus. I had nothing on me. I walked from Ojoelegba to Ogulano, crying and wailing. I was just glad they dropped me. I was happy they didn't shoot me or take me somewhere to harm me. I was one of the lucky ones. By the way, this event happened around 2 p.m. in the afternoon. I still remember the beating. Hurt like hell. I was just in my early 20s. I still have post-traumatic stress disorder from the event of that day 10 years ago. It was just a few days to my induction after six years in school. And these guys could have just ended my life for absolutely no reason. It is sad. I've tried every day of my life to suppress this memory like it never happened. That's why it's taking so long to share my story. Reading people's stories now, I realized I was very lucky. I had bruises, but not gunshot wounds. Now I don't want my children to go through this. Hashtag NSAD. Notice after that kind of brutal story, you know what she says? I was one of the lucky ones. You know why she said that? Chinodu Obi, aka Zinquest, he wasn't so lucky. He was an upcoming artist, singer. But he was a prime target for these guys because obviously he's a criminal since he has tattoos all over his body. It was reported that after he was picked up, didn't cooperate with them, he was shot. And while they shot him and he was bleeding, they mocked and watched him bleed. It's also reported that as he was dying, he had one request for them. Just one request. Before I die, can I talk to my father? Before I die, can I talk to my father? To which they said, God punish that your father that you want to talk to. How do you think that God is going to react when he hears that kind of thing? These acts of barbarism will not go unpunished before a holy and righteous God. He is angry, for he is always angry against every injustice. And then we say, may he punish all of those sad people, because obviously, Sars are wholly at fault. God is going to pour his wrath down on them. Before we talk about him pouring his wrath, can we talk about maybe if there's anybody else that is at fault in this? It's obvious that they are most directly at fault. The person that pulls the trigger is at fault. But let's consider some others maybe. 
Who else is at fault? Leadership. The leadership of this nation at various levels is at fault. Listen to me. Hashtag enters, even though it is buzzing now, is a hashtag that is at least over three years old. That happened for a reason. This thing has been going on for a while. And each time there have been failed promises to reform or properly do something about it. That is why a lot of people are tired. It's not that they've not heard these things before. Some of you have heard about the, ish, the stories about the bodies that were floating in Ezu River, in, in, uh, is it in Oka or somewhere. Anambra. Now we're just hearing it. Do you know when it happened in 2013? You'd be like, why didn't anybody do anything about it? The National Human Rights Commission investigated it in 2013. They released a comprehensive report. We're only hearing about it now. There's been a failure of leadership in this country. There is a staggering level of unempathetic leadership in this country. Where we do not value the lives of people. Now they are listening. an stunning level of inability to feel. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about hearing it. I'm saying feel the suffering of people. I will look to it. Yeah, I will look to it. Put it on the table. Wow, that's a little bit bad. And then when people start protesting, they now pull out the order and respect card. Let's have some order, please. How dare you talk to me like that? order and respect while ineptitude and corruption continue? When Zinquest and chemist stories are left without justice, what do you think a just God's response is? Let me tell you in Isaiah 23. This is what he says. Isaiah 1 verse 23. He says this, you rulers are rebels, partners with thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. Therefore, the Lord, Yahweh Almighty, the mighty one of Israel declares, Ah, I will vent my wrath on my foes and avenge myself on my enemies. Leadership is at fault and God's wrath too is hanging upon them. I hope you hear. But the failure is not just in leadership. You see, in our passage, why is Jonah in the belly of the fish? Because Jonah is at fault too. You see, we can talk about SARS, we can talk about the leaders, but let's look at us ourselves too. I said that the end SARS is three years old, isn't it? Now we are all, including myself, we are retweeting end SARS. We are guilty of actually latching onto trends when they are popular. Not actually looking at it when they are unpopular. You see, while we may not be equally culpable as the SARS or the leaders that neglected their duties, we are all corporately culpable. Listen to what Amos chapter Amos says in Amos chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. For I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. To which you say, that's not me. Fine. Wonderful. Congratulations. Verse 13. Therefore, the prudent keep quiet in such times, for the times are evil. First, understand, the word prudent there is not being used in a positive light. It is prudent to, in your own self-assessment. It is let me look after my own, no? because if I start to make noise, then they will now drag me into it as well. It is our culpability is based on our willful or even sometimes ignorant silence that continues to maintain the status quo. People that are protesting are just protesting. Many of us are protesting for the first time. Fantastic, wonderful, but you know there have been many atrocities before. Why weren't you protesting then? We were all willfully and ignorantly silent. We silenced and harassed ladies that have come to share their stories. We have downplayed tales of experience of, with brutality. We've not helped the police. Rather than that, we insult them. Rather than helping them get their fair share. Listen, I, Femi or Shunui, I am chief among these people. 
I don't stand to condemn anyone in a way like, oh man, look at how terrible you guys. I care about my family and my family first and sometimes too exclusively. I have been so negligent thinking about them. That is why when Nehemiah, he is not even in Jerusalem. He is in Persia. He is in the king's palace. When he hears about the things that have happened in Jerusalem, he doesn't cry out to God and just say, look at all those people, forgive them. Look at what Nehemiah says in Nehemiah 1, 6b to 7. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family. I confess what we have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commandments, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. We are all culpable. So as we go out on the streets, as we call for justice, let us remember that calling people to moral accountability need not result in feelings of moral superiority. Because we are all Jonah. Is God, because of Jonah's sin, it is God who hurled Jonah into the depths, verse 3. It's God's waves and breakers that swept over Jonah, again in verse 3. And it is from God's sight that Jonah was banished, verse 4. All because of his sin. Guys, as Christians, we must see that the collective sin of this land for decades is what is resulting in our distress. It's God's wrath upon us. Do you feel discomfort? Have you been in traffic? Have you been deprived of your normal life? The discomfort we're experiencing is God saying, I will no longer be silent. Don't say, shouldn't it just be them that will suffer it? No, all of us. Because it is because of them and because of us as well. Question. Will God's wrath get your attention? If it does, what can we do? That leads me to my second point, the cry of a nation. How are we to react in a state of seeming national helplessness? Because many times... Now, let me expand a little bit. Our case does seem hopeless with intractable problems. Because whilst all of these are going on, guess what? The poor continue to suffer and the poor don't have the luxury to be able to protest. You know that? Corruption is still continuing. Our healthcare system is still languishing. Unis have been on strike only now that they were quickly told to go back because of some kind of agreement that was miraculously reached. COVID is still outside there. Look at all of you wearing masks. Pensioners are still not being paid. Entrepreneurs are still unfairly taxed. It seems intractable and hopeless. And just when you think, okay, well, with these protests, maybe something can happen. Then they send thugs. Who are they there? I don't know, but the thugs didn't just miraculously appear. And then we're like, people are saying, end SARS, end SARS. Oh, yes, SARS has ended. Uh, now takes what? Are you joking? Some are talking about the possibility of internet shutdown. We actually did shut down. I don't know how, but it was the hashtag was shut down. People cannot give towards the protests again. Have the banks connect with the government? The spread of misinformation. And after all of this, the police are still kidnapping and murdering people, including Jimo Isiak. Say his name. And 10 other people nine or ten other people, everything seems hopeless. You see, Jonah, in the belly of the fish, was completely helpless. Because really, what could he do? Think about it. Was he going to knock, uh, Mr. Fish, please let me out. I'll be nice. Jonah was completely helpless in the belly of the fish is in many ways describes our own condition we look helpless so when we are in this helpless state what can we do what can jonah do now listen to me very carefully helplessness does not mean hopelessness 
Did you hear what I'm saying? Helplessness does not mean hopelessness. They are not the same thing. Why? Because when helplessness meets hopelessness, that leads to inaction. It leads to indifference. It leads to resignation. But they are not the same thing. In our current state, Nigeria and our current distress, Nigeria may seem helpless, but we are not hopeless. Because when helplessness meets hopefulness, you have an action. You have a reaction. You have a cry. Jonah said, you listen to my cry. Because even though Jonah was helpless, he was not hopeless. What we need to do in a state of helplessness is to cry out in a state of hopefulness. And today we are going to cry out. But first I want to explain that there are two types of cries of hope. One is protest, the other is lament. Protest and lament. Let's start with the first. Protest is an appropriate response to helplessness. Some people are saying, I saw a tweet. <laughs> you know what the tweet said? As a Christian, can I protest? That's what he said. He said, serious question. I actually think the person was serious, but you see, this is the kind of problem we're having. As a Christian, can we protest? And I want to tell you that protest is an appropriate, is an appropriate reaction to this kind of helplessness. You know why? Remember in Amos chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. Amos 12, 5, verse 12 and 13, when God says, I know how many your, are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the court. Therefore, he says, the prudent keep quiet in soft times, for the times are evil. There are those in those times that keep quiet. When all of these injustices are going on, they are keeping quiet. Maybe you have kept quiet. And God then says, well, if you continue to keep quiet, you know what's going to happen? Verse 16. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the Lord God Almighty says, there will be wailing in the streets. There will be cries of anguish in every public square. It is a cry of anguish because that is what helpless people are, that are hopeful do. They cry. If we don't cry, it is because we have been resigned to the condition of Nigeria and say, this is how it's going to be. And at the end of the day, we only do one thing. Apply to go to Canada. People that apply to go to Canada are saying, Nigeria, it was nice. You will help. Thank you for giving me education. I don't know where things are going to be, but we are going. The, so many people that are saying, apart from the ones that can't apply, you understand why. But many people that are saying, are saying, no, something can still be done here. So we can feel helpless, but we are still hopeful. And now the people that are crying in the streets, in the public squares, in all of the streets, those people are saying, Nigeria can be better. You know what? Let a thousand protests bloom. Let them be all over this nation. For the people that are kept quiet, they will be wailing in the streets. There will be cries of anguish in all for this is an act of God. I hope our leaders see that the people that are crying out in the streets are not criminals. They are patriotic heroes because they have not given up on Nigeria. As Emmanuel said, they are singing songs of, they are singing the national anthem. I can't remember the last time I sang the national anthem. They are flying the Nigerian flag. And you are calling them what? Criminals? They are talking about disorder. They are saying we need to save this nation. They are saying this, this, this nation can be better. You see, yeah, yeah, but you see, you see, they are not people of experience. They are not, they are all these young people. This is so much zeal. Have you not forgotten? Can I paraphrase the scripture for you? That out of the mouth of babes and a youthful and supposedly lazy generation, God is inspiring an older generation who are giving up and stop hoping for this nation. Now, all are saying Nigeria can be better. And he's taking some people that have said, well, while, while you guys have said this can't be done, and this can't be done, enough is enough. 
We want a better Nigeria. As long as there's injustice in the land and some people remain quiet, there will be wailing in the street and there will be cries in the public square. Look, they continue. Because you see, protests represent a form of power. It is the power of persistence. Jesus said, look at him, verse 33 to 5. He tells a parable of a woman. He says, he teaches this so that men ought to pray and not faint. So he tells the parable of a woman and an unjust judge. He said, the judge is very wicked. Very wicked guy. Right? Nothing good about the judge. But the woman kept going to the judge and said, give me what? Justice against my adversary. Grant me justice against my adversary. He refused. So the issue was not in the woman's persuadability. You know what happened? Eventually, he gave her justice. Why? This is what he said. Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yeah, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets what? Justice so that she will not eventually come and attack me. In other words, her persistence did not change the man's heart. Oh. Government, you don't have to like the people in the protest. In fact, you don't even have to care for the poor. But this thing will continue until you change your mind. The persistence forced them eventually to say, he forced the man to say what? That I will let, let I will let her give us justice. All of a sudden, people that could not ask over years, six years, this thing can take time. Immediately they said they would they would allow a public panel for I, when I saw it, I said, My God, is it possible? Is it possible? Things were being issued overnight. Guys that are protesting, keep it up. Can you see? They are listening. They are listening. And let me tell you something. Honestly, I, I'm a pastor. I believe in the gospel. And But God sometimes moves outside of the church. This thing is an act of God. Let me prove to you. They said they have no leaders. It's true. They have no leaders in some ways. But you have people that are playing leading roles. You have people that are playing leading roles. You see the whole mobilization. You see the order. Eh? One day you wake up, you see... Hooligans cannot come again. Why? They've hired private security. There's toilets. There's tent. There's food. There's everything. They are catalyzing, catalyzing movements all around Nigeria. They said, you can't give to the bank again. Don't worry. We got Bitcoin. I, can you see that? And the people that are playing this leading role, guess what? In a nation that prides itself, that has institutionalized and entrenched, entrenched patriarchy. A nation that says that young girls should not be educated because they don't have the means. Will it not be ironic that in a nation that has suppressed the voice of women, that out of our deliverance is young girls that are educated, that are bringing this coming? This is a advocating. Don't stop the pressure. They are listening. And that's the protest. But there is the lament. Because Jonah, as he says, he cried to God. He called to the Lord for help. In my distress, I called to the Lord. From, the, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. I called to the Lord for help. I called to the Lord for help. He cried, there's a cry to the street, but there's also a cry to the Lord. Whilst we direct our cries to the mighty, to the, uh, to the land and the nation's mighty, we must also direct our cries to the universe's almighty. Because our situation is desperate. Guys, please, I know we all have our different ways of praying. This is not a time for casual prayers, though. Jonah in the belly of the fish was not gentleman-like in his, in his prayers. In the realm of the dead, Jonah was not just, you know, mouthing certain kinds of... Jonah was in distress. He lamented. He said, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. And the current swelled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. That's in verse 4. 
He said, I have been banished from so Look at verse 5. He says, The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sank down, and the earth beneath barred me in forever. Jonah was lamenting his situation. It is only the comfortable that pray comfortable prayers. God is telling us at this time, will you be a people that can say, you know what, let us call God, but let us put a distress call to God and let us say to God, with all due respect, with all reverence for him, say, why Lord is this nation like this? Lord God, why have you forsaken us? Lord Jesus, why have you seemingly ignored the prayers of all those that have gone before us? How long, O oh Lord, shall impunity, insolence, corruption, and incompetence reign? Help us, Lord God Almighty. For the condition is desperate. And if we only think about ourselves, thank God for most of you that are here, you have your daily bread, you have all of those things, and so many times. Our prayers does not reflect what is going on. But this is a time for us to lament. For the condition is terrible. And right now, it is the middle class that are protesting. I tell you, if the lower class decide to get up and protest, they will not do it with banners and just with mouths and all these kind of things. They will do it with stones and rocks. So let us call upon the name of the Lord. And lament the condition of this country. But there's something you must not forget. And you must notice this. After he expressed his distress regarding the situation, Jonah, notice one word comes in at the end of verse 4. You know what it is? Yet. Oh, I love that word. Yet. After he said, look at my condition, he then says what? Yet. After he said, look at the desperation that I have in my body. Look at the, the, the surround, this, my surrounding uh, 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 discomfort. He says, yet. Let me tell you something. A hopeless person never says yet. They can't utter the word yet. Because yet is a transitional word that says, after I have said everything that is bad and described my helpless condition, I have hope that things can be better. Yet, Jonah says, yet, I will look again toward your temple. It's very similar to the psalmist in Psalm 31 verse 22. He says, in my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. That is the distressing condition. Yet, you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. You know why that yet comes in? It is because all our cries are conditioned upon this promise that God is a God that answers and listens to cries. Look at verse 2. He said, in my distress I called to the Lord and he what? Answered me. From the realms of the dead I called for help and you what? Listen to my cry. God is a God that listens. Jesus then takes that parable further. He says that if that unjust judge said that I will give that woman justice, what about those that call upon the name of God for justice? He said, and the Lord said, listen to what that unjust judge says. And will not God, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, we will see that they, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Do you know what he's saying? Will you stop in your persistence? To stop in your persistence is to admit that you don't have faith in this God. Some people will say, no, faith is, I prayed, God has answered. I don't need to pray more than once. Jesus is saying here, consistency in the prayers of what you are looking for is the real demonstration of faith. Will he find faith? Because he has guaranteed that if we continue to cry out to him for justice, we will get justice. But will he find faith? Guys, the most practical thing, not the only thing, 
But the most practical thing we can do in a precarious and helpless situation is to call on God our helper for he is the one who listens and the one who answers. Yes, we will protest with our bodies. We will negotiate with our minds. We will give of our resources. But be sure of this. We will call upon the name of our God because he listens and he answers. And that takes me to my final point. The Christ for every nation. To which somebody says, he listens and he answers. Why? I thought you told us a few minutes ago that we are all guilty. So why would he listen to us? Since we are all bad. Now I want you to notice this. Jonah says, I will look to God again towards your holy temple in verse 4. But before that, he said, I have been banished from your sight. Jonah understands the judgment that he received. Jonah understands that he has been bad. And yet, Jonah says, I will look to your holy temple again with hope. Why? You see, Jonah was personalizing something that Solomon had prayed for Israel corporately when he built the temple. Jonah was personalizing it. What is it? In 1 Kings 8, 1 Kings 8 verse 46 to 50, what happened was this. Before Solomon's time, God had given the law through Moses. And God said, if Israel continued to sin in the promised land, that eventually, after God has judged them, judged them, it will all culminate in God banning them, exiling them from the land where his presence was. Do you understand that? But Solomon then says, this temple I'm building, if these people have a change of heart, 1 Kings 8, 1 Kings 8, 46, 50, that if these people have a change of heart, if they repent, right, if they do those things, what will you do? Let me read it. 1 Kings 8, 46 to 50. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and give them over to their enemies. And if they have a change of heart and repent and plead with you and say, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly. And if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul in the land of their enemies who took them captive, notice they were in exile, and pray to you toward the land that you gave their ancestors, toward the city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name. If you do all of these things, then from heaven, your dwelling place. Hear their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Forgive all the offenses they have committed against you and cause their captors to show mercy. Jonah understood this. So Jonah, out of a repentant heart, was crying out to God. He was banished. He was exiled. In the fish. But he says, I will look again to your temple because he knows, based on what the scripture says, that this God will forgive him if he looked again to a temple. You know what? Jonah understood that this God is a God of outrageous grace. He's a God of outrageous grace. That despite all the sin, in fact, notice he says, I will look to your temple again. In other words, he had done that before. He has sinned before. He looked to the temple. But because this God's grace is not just one that he drops here and there, it is outrageous. It is abundant. He says, I will look to your temple again. And can I say this? God, despite all the sins that we have committed, despite all our own uh, collective uh, uh, culpability, He's a God of abundant grace. If we have a change of heart and call upon his name again and again, you know what will happen? He will hear us. He will forgive us. He will restore us because he's a God that listens and he's a God of abundant grace. And then somebody says, finally, no, 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 there's still a problem. Because what about justice? His grace, okay, so he, he, he gives grace but he forgets about justice. And you see, that is a problem if I'm protesting in the street. Because when I'm protesting in the street, what am I protesting about? Justice. We want justice. Justice to prosecute killer SARS officers. Justice to compensate their families. 
the families of the slain, the injured, the harassed, the ones that have been murdered. So the conundrum we have is this. How can we simultaneously cry for justice in the street and cry to a God of injustice? How can we simultaneously cry for justice in the street while crying to a God of injustice? And of course, the answer is, you are absolutely wrong. Because this God is simultaneously a God of outrageous grace and impeccable justice. Notice, Jonah got justice. Jonah in the belly of the fish, in the depths of the sea, Jonah was getting what? Justice, punishment for his sin. But he also says in verse 17 that the Lord provided, that is he graciously provided a huge fish to swallow him so that he will prevent him from dying. On, in the same event, Jonah what? Got justice and Jonah got what? Grace at the same time. That is the kind of God we serve. The God who will not forget his justice while showing his grace. He will not forget his justice while dispensing his grace. And ultimately we see this in the greater Jonah. Because one after Jonah came, in Matthew 12 verse, 20, verse 40, Jesus says this about himself. He says, for as Jonah was Three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Ultimately, the God of justice reveals himself as a God of grace. Coming as a human being and said, we have beheld him, one full of grace and truth you see Jesus on the cross died for all our sins he died for the injustices for your silence and my silence for the incompetent and corrupt leadership for the brutality of the SARS officer see can Jesus forgive me as a SARS officer right now maybe who is feeling conviction in your heart as a police officer that has shown some brutality, let me tell you this, if he can forgive me, he can forgive you as well. Because ultimately, if these protests are to be anything, they must be protests that ultimately restores. For as we cry out for justice, God is a God who brings justice, but not justice to destroy. It is justice that repairs. So all of us as Christians, let us remember this one. We are culpable ourselves so that when we protest, we don't protest from a place of moral superiority. We protest from a place of humility. Those who have received grace. But we protest with firmness because we also believe in a world and a God of justice. But also as we look at all the problems as we'll cry out today, we can cry out to God in confidence that though our, our problems seem helpless and intractable, intractable, we are not without hope because we can call upon a God that answers. Why does he answer us? Because he has given us Jesus Christ. We will look again to the temple. We will look again to Jesus. And so if you've never met Jesus, I want to invite you to come and receive him. But also, if those of us here that have met Jesus, I want us to cry out. Shall we rise to our feet? Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos.